Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert. Today, here with Dr. Millicent Ravello. Dr. Ravello, how are you doing? Doing excellent. We had a big day today. We did. We had a big day. We had a little combined surgery situation, you and I. And then just a lot of patients. That is, this is going to be a big run into the holidays. Yes, this is when everyone comes in trying to get their surgeries lined up for the before the end of the year for two reasons, really. Number one, there are some holiday breaks coming up for kids and for work. And so people reasonably, you know, want to take that time to recover from surgeries. Number two, some of my insurance patients have met their deductibles. And so now anything they do is essentially not free, but significantly cheaper of since their deductibles have been met. The problem, it is November 3rd, as we are recording this, those time slots are filled. I mean, my patients, they, are. they come in and they're like, oh, I want to have surgery before the end of the year. I'm like, oh, my friend, you should have been here in July or August yeah. because that's when people started planning for it. I mean, there's still time. And this is actually the time of the year when a lot of us do operate on Saturdays just to squeeze people in. Oh, yeah. No, I think I have a bunch of Saturdays busy. coming up. Yeah. A bunch of Saturdays. Um, operating around the holidays, I don't mind it, but I, I don't like operating right before a major holiday. Like there was, you know, putting a big case on the day before Thanksgiving, (laughs) not my favorite thing to do because... How about no? All surgeries have the potential for complications and they they happen rarely, but Murphy's Law, it would happen on the patient the day before Thanksgiving and then you're calling the crew in on Thanksgiving Day and, and nobody's happy. So... Yeah, that doesn't go over well. Working... Operating around the holidays is fine, but um, operating the day right before, two days before, especially if it's a big surgery, not ideal. Well, one of the operations that you do a lot of that we're going to talk about today, and you'll probably be doing some Holly, Hollywood-style breast reductions <laughs> coming up, if you want to call it that way, um, is these itty-bitty breast reductions. Yes. It's these, like little, little, little tiny... Little, like, so we just little. need to make it a little smaller. And they're, they're so cute. Um, yeah, I call them my itty-bitty breast reductions. Um, and, and they fall into two camps, really. It's the women that come in requesting a breast reduction that don't have classically enlarged, large breasts. You know, I'm used to seeing the really large breasts that really need to be reduced for problems with back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain. But these women are coming in, sometimes with legitimate symptoms, even though their breasts aren't that large. But in general, these patients aren't that large. They're normal to thin patients with breasts that are just a little bit too big for their bodies. And so they're requesting a breast reduction. Um, So that's one category of little breast reductions that I see. And then the other one is this trend I've noticed this past year, more so in the younger patients that come in with with nice size breasts, you know, not exceptionally large, C, D at the most, and requesting really small breasts, not because they necessarily are having symptoms, they just like the look. And I always ask my patients to show me photos of what they're thinking of. And when they show me photos, it's almost, I can almost predict the photos that these girls are going to show me. It's young women wearing sports bras or, or crop tops with no bra and very small breasts. And it's a look that they're going for, that athletic, no bra, 
small but perky breasts. A little bit of volume, but not too much. And so just in the way that a breast augmentation is very much a look that women achieve or desire, this itty-bitty breast that's cute and perky and looks great without a bra is also another trend that I'm seeing. And not exactly possible for everyone. Not possible <laughs> for everyone. Uh, it, it, it's a look. It's a look, and it definitely is a look that works better in women that are already of normal to thin body habitus or size because it's much easier to achieve to, to get that small breast. If you have a very large breasts and you have you know a wider chest, shoulder distance, you know, you can only get make the breasts so small. You really can't. They're like, well, why can't I be a bee? Why can't you just take out more breast tissue? Well, the problem is that, you know, the nipple and the skin, number one, has to survive. So you can't thin things out too much. Right. And the size and the width of your breast is sort of predetermined. We can't really make that smaller if that's just how wide your chest is, number one. And number two, you have to take into account some of the aesthetics of the shape of the breast. Could I make you a little bit smaller? Yeah. Would the breast look nice? No. It's going to be weird. The skin's going to not drape appropriately. You're going to see a lot of your incisions along the, in, the underneath side of the breast. Because now you're just forcing the issue. And... It's not that it's a small breast. It's a small breast that doesn't look like a, a no. nice breast. No, and you want it to look pretty. That's you the want whole it, point. You want it to look pretty. Yeah, and, and, and there are limitations to how much you can remove and still maintain a pretty breast. Well, and, and this comes back to always the fluctuating variations in what people find attractive. And it, it, plastic surgery is like fashion. You know, certain noses are in, certain facelifts are in, yeah. certain breasts are in, big breasts, little breasts, up breasts, down breasts. These things all change. And right now, we are definitely seeing a uh, move towards smaller breast implants, less breast implants, smaller breasts in general. Right. I, and that'll last some amount of time, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it'll go the other direction. It'll swing the other way. And, yeah. d- you know... Don't get me wrong. We still have plenty of patients requesting breast implants. So it's, you know, I have, you know, our residents that come with us or some of the, our, our scribe, Adira, you know, they see all of us do these consults day in and day out and they laugh and they're like, one wants them bigger, one wants them smaller. Like every single patient just wants, you know, grass is greener on the other side. It's the, for those of you that are children's book readers it's the sneeches on the beaches the star belly sneeches versus the ones that don't have any stars on their bellies and you got a machine that puts them on you got a machine that takes them off <laughs> and in the end you know it it just it just depends on what, what floats your boat what just, you're gonna like an endless endless cycle and and we are here to help and accommodate you and for sure whatever it is whatever look it is you know that you desire but i do find it interesting because that, that's sort of a newer thing I've noticed are these itty-bitty breast reduction requests. Because for a while, most of the time, patients were really asking me to keep as much breast tissue as I could in order to maintain, to, in order to, to meet insurance requirements for breast reduction, which can sometimes be very high, while still le- leaving them with a decent amount of breast. Because usually my larger breast patients are used to having 
large breasts and they want to keep something. But now I'm sort of seeing it all sort of skewed towards take as much as you can. I want to be as small as I can. It's interesting. It's an interesting thing. To yeah, see. I've had a few patients say that too. That they're like, you know, can you cut them off? I'm like, well, well no, <laughs> you can. Is that what you want? Like, uh. but their desperation gets to that level when they really you know, are having the symptoms of the oh, back yeah, pain yeah, yeah, to to sure. the degree that like to them that would be preferable than the symptoms they're dealing with. Obviously, that's an extreme, and and no one would probably do that, but. That is how small they would wish to be yeah. to be free of their symptoms. Yeah, and I think that you know, for you know, for the patients that are listening to this, the you know, bringing photographs of what you think would look good for you is really important. I mean, we do a lot of consultations, and uh, you know, everybody's got a different idea of what good looking is. Right. So, if you want to really help direct your surgeon, you should show up with some photographs of like, look, I know that I'm a you know double. Whatever, uh, thirty six back, blah blah blah. What about this? And yeah. and then show the picture. Can, can I do this? Is this possible? And and then you have a, you know, a jumping off point to get the discussion started on on how you're going to kind of hone your aesthetics. Right, definitely. And the other th- important thing to differentiate, because um, I've seen a decent amount of this as well recently. Um, and it's usually younger women, young girls coming in, requesting a breast reduction and requesting that we go through insurance. And on exam, what they really have is, and I hate to use the word saggy because that has a negative connotation, but really loose, saggy breasts. They're young, but for whatever reason, the skin of their breast is really elastic yes. and really stretchy. And so the breasts sag on them. And they may be normal weight, healthy weight. The breasts themselves aren't even that large, but there's so much extra skin that they can fill up a double D G cup breast because it's all skin. And, you know, they're, they're 20, they're 24 years old. They want to have cute, perky breasts. And so they come in saying the words, I want a breast reduction. I'm a 32G and I want to be a C. But when you start really examining the breasts, most of what they have is just loose skin, even though they're young. And so it, you have there is an education process in saying, you, it's not a breast reduction. You need a breast lift. And that's not going to be covered by insurance. Nope. Because if I submit to insurance, they're going to say, you need to remove 300 grams, which would basically be a mastectomy for you. Now, right. there, now again, some of those patients are like, that's cool. fine. I want to be itty bitty. I don't want to have to wear a bra. In which case, it works for them. But for those that are like, oh, no, I just I want to be like kind of my same size, just more perky. Well, now you're talking about a breast lift. Well, and, you know, just for our listeners, like the way we've talked about this on other podcasts about breast reduction, the way the insurers decide if they're paying for it is based on your BMI, your body mass index, which is like your height, your weight. Yeah. And and then also uh, the photographs that you send in. And then they determine... Again, I th- I think I, I said absurd ignorance with this. Mm-hmm. They then determine... How much breast tissue you have to take off for it to be covered by insurance? It is absurd and ignorant. Yes. But it's also <laughs> done it to differentiate between someone that really needs a therapeutic well, breast true. reduction yes. and someone that actually just needs a lift, um, which is kind of more towards the cosmetic 
side of, of course. And, and that's the thing though, is the other part that I, I don't, I don't think we've talked about this, but a lot of times these long breasts mm-hmm. that are that are hanging low, they are heavy because they are. of, but they're heavy. Be, not, they don't have a whole lot of breast tissue. It's a right. lot of water. Hmm. It's almost like a lymphedema that sits in there. And when you lay these patients down, that just goes out, and you're left with like skin. You're left with skin. I mean, I usually. I usually see, because these patients do come in, you, sometimes in most of the cases, with actual symptoms of back pain, neck pain, yeah, shoulder pain. they do. And I've always attributed it to the fact that their breasts are just hanging off of them. And they're pulling on them. Even though they don't weigh a lot, they sit low and they hang. It's the torque. And it, that's uncomfortable yeah. to them, even though there's not a lot of weight. And when they exercise, for sure. It flops around. And so certainly just... The act of lifting the breast and removing that excess skin, even if you don't take out any breast tissue or a lot of breast tissue, does provide relief for them. It does. And and that I I do believe that in massive weight loss patients, I've had the uh one nine three one six, you know, breast lift, mastopexy covered by insurance because of the rashes and the Right. And the skin issues and the exercise issues from massive weight loss. But it, it usually is that you can only get that covered in the I've lost 100 pounds Correct. patients. Right. That's a, that's a unique patient population. And even in that population, I would say I get about maybe 15, maybe 10% of the mastopexies covered. But that's a different situation. And those patients, it's not even so much that the breasts sag as they've sort of inverted on themselves. And it's right. like the skin on skin just flopping around there, creating discomfort and rashes. Yeah, and, and these these surgical therapies work very well for, for all these things. But, you know, I know that, uh, you know, it's a trend and maybe it'll change. And We'll be putting implants in all these uh, yeah, patients all these in a couple back, like, of years. You know, I think I asked for a little too much off the top on this one. Can you kind of bring them back to life for me? Or Yeah, it's it, it just depends on what people think is attractive. And it does change. And it does change. And it'll change throughout the course of a woman's lifetime. Yeah. So someone that you know gets the little itty-bitty breast reduction may go on to have some kids or gain some weight or go through menopause and need something else done. So... Yeah, it's, I mean, the breasts tell the story of a woman's life, right? So Definitely. There is always going to be need for something. Well, that's very interesting stuff. Uh, I, I think just for our uh, patients that are listening to this now, I would go back and listen to the Breast Reduction uh, podcast just to get a little bit more information about it. And, uh, you know, obviously you can always send us a DM or whatever if you have questions for us. But uh, anything else on this, Dr. Ravello? No, that's that's it. I, I just I think it's an interesting topic. There's a lot of nuances to it. Um, certainly, when it comes to what insurance covers, what they don't, what you can reasonably expect with your breast size and your own body shape and size, what is a reasonable aesthetic outcome for you, and yeah, just telling us what you want and show us some photos, and we'll do the best we can to accommodate. That sounds good. Well, all right. Well, then this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Dr. Ravello or myself, we're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Ravello, what's your website? My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. 
And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the Medi Spa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com. 